up, y'all? Welcome to another day here on the podcast. I'm your host, The Wolf, and man, this internet censorship thing is pretty, pretty interesting. Can have some wide-ranging consequences if it's held up in the U.S. In other news, uh, Google is not trying to pay for news to be published in Canada, so that's pretty interesting. They're limiting content in Canada. Warner Brothers wants to make Hogwarts Legacy a quote long-term franchise unquote, and Hogwarts Legacy is being developed into a TV show apparently at HBO. So that's what we're going to talk about today. To start off, let's talk about uh, these censorship laws or or the fight over internet censorship. So Texas and Florida wrote state laws saying that tech companies cannot censor anybody based on political grounds or on ideological grounds. So essentially what that means is that if you remember back in 2020, and I know that was three years ago at this point, which is crazy, but back in 2020, there was a, uh, there was a push about the vaccines and whether or not they were effective about, uh, RNA research about a alternative treatments for COVID, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And companies like Facebook and Twitter clamped down on those posts. You know, they were labeled misinformation and that has largely gone away. And there was an information, there was a, an information war essentially. Uh, And couple that with the Twitter files that were released once Elon Musk took over and there was documented evidence that Twitter, for example, uh, did participate in amplifying one political party over the other and censored people uh, based on their political affiliation. So those things we know did happen. Uh, We know that Facebook and Twitter, for example, collaborated with the FBI to essentially push uh, the the state narrative that everybody needed needed to get the vaccine and any other discussion on it was misinformation. Now, whether you agree with that conclusion or not is beside the point. The point here is that the government worked with tech companies to uh, craft a message. And that happens a lot, a lot, uh, in traditional media as well as in digital media. The question for the Supreme Court is, should tech companies like Facebook and Twitter and Google, should they be compelled to leave posts up that they don't necessarily agree with? And even further, going going to the COVID vaccine issue should yeah i mean it would prevent them from moderating content based on what is quote true or not so that's that's the issue okay so the consequences for the internet at least in the u.s is that again 
you know, our content here on the podcast would necessarily need to be moderated. Now, the articles that I've been reading in Gizmodo are focused on written content, uh, such as what's happening on Twitter. And obviously, that would be the biggest target is Twitter and Facebook. Those are the biggest targets by far. Uh, podcasts would be second to that because it's very difficult to search through what I'm saying and and decide whether or not it is appropriate. You can't, you can't necessarily... We're not at a level where we can automate reading uh, and transcribing text that well. At least, I don't think. I could be very wrong about that, but I don't think that that's true. Now, I've used transcription software before, and it's pretty good. It's not 100% accurate. It's It misses a couple of things. It takes things out of context. Uh, anyway, the point is that these two issues that are going before the Supreme Court could drastically change the way we interact with the internet. On the one hand, if Texas and Florida win their case and the Supreme Court sides with them and says that free speech is necessary and needs to be protected online, then what you get is uh, what I touched on yesterday, what you, what you get is f complete freedom, a complete blank check to put whatever you want online. Now, whether you agree with that or not is kind of up to you. What we, what that essentially means a lot of the time is uh, a whole lot of porn. <laughs> uh, some of it illegal, I'm sure. And a whole lot of rhetoric, uh, a lot of bad information, a lot of bad takes. So essentially what Twitter is right now, <laughs> it's not, I don't know that it would be that big of a change personally. Uh, but there are a lot of people that are freaking out about this. And the argument is that some level of censorship is a good thing because... Companies like Twitter and Facebook exist to serve as many people as possible. And if you have those websites overrun with bad actors, then you you have an issue. Now, forget forget the porn and forget, you know, uh, the, the fiery rhetoric. The underlying issue here as well is that you could... Twitter... I mean, you, if you have a terrorist organization like Al-Qaeda that was recruiting on Twitter, then these laws open up the ability for them to continue to recruit on Twitter. And Twitter, for example, would, at least at first blush, would have limited ability to tamp down on that, at least legally speaking. I mean, they could skirt around it, I'm sure. They'll figure out a way to do it. But... Once you start doing that, then you go back to what we have right now, which is some level of censorship. Now, the article I was reading today suggested that if Section 230 were overruled by the Supreme Court, and as we discussed, Section 230 protects you as a content creator, 
and it protects well it protects the publisher like twitter or facebook from whatever you as the content creator say they're not responsible for what you do or what you say if that goes away and they are suddenly responsible for what you do and what you say the issue then becomes that individual states are going to create their own laws dictating what can and cannot be said which by necessity is government control of speech which <laughs> gets into really murky really gross water that i don't think we really want to start walking down uh in addition to that these tech companies are going to need to find a way to navigate uh, potentially 50 different sets of laws uh, discussing that, that dictate what they can and cannot allow on their platform. So one of the arguments was that these companies would either shut down, stop operating in certain states, or geo use geolocation to track where you are and give you content based on your physical location so they would know where you are at all times <laughs> it's essentially spyware now they can't the belief is they can't do that at scale they just don't have the the storage capacity to do that or the processing power but i mean that's not that big of a hurdle i wouldn't imagine and they're tech companies i mean like they will f they exist to figure those kinds of things out so interesting stuff there couple that with uh this fight in canada where google is trying to avoid paying news sites for links uh it's a pretty it's a pretty scary time <laughs> <laughs> and perhaps it's not any different than any other time in history, but I mean, these two situations where you have a lockdown on information uh, in one way or the other, you you end up in a situation where you, if you don't have information to look at and judge, then you can't make decisions. And like, it, it just, I don't know, it's, it, to me, it throws everything into question. If I can't trust the source or if I can't trust that I'm getting all the information that I can, then I don't trust that the information that I am getting is trustworthy. Ironically, uh, when you create a totally free internet, you end up with, you could end up with anyway, uh, a lack of information. You know, if you end up with, if, if, for example, Twitter gets overrun by uh, a bunch of communists um, and all they talk about all day long is how everybody is oppressed and we need to eat the rich and et cetera, et cetera. And you never see any argument about uh, the benefits of capitalism or any pushback whatsoever, then I mean, you have, it's a bad information source. And, or alternatively, <laughs> it's, if they, if these companies decide to take a stance that, yeah, free speech is allowed, but we're going to 
make it more like discord where you have to be invited to certain places uh then it becomes uh an echo chamber and you can't reliably access different points of view so it's going to be interesting the the idea here is that the case is probably going to be kicked uh all the way till next year so this is going to keep popping up for for the next year but it's interesting to see and it's it's could cause a lot of problems because like i said like even outside of this podcast we have to talk about twitch and youtube as well those are pieces of content that would by necessity have to face the same kind of regulation so all those creators all those videos all those streamers are going to be in the crosshairs of this thing so we're on the bleeding edge of this one nobody on or very few people on youtube or twitch are talking about it at least not the prominent ones they're not discussing it maybe they just don't see it but it it is it could drastically drastically change the way we interact with the internet in the u.s um so it's a it's kind of an issue kind of an issue um i'm not sure what the answer is uh other than to protect section 230 which should basically always be protected but we we've we've been talking about this we being politicians in the united states we've been talking about this removing section 230 for like eight years almost um both presidents on both sides of the political spectrum have floated the idea of removing Section 230 for one reason or another. On the right-hand side of the equation, you have people arguing that everybody should be have, an equal, have equal access to the platform regardless of what they're saying. On the left side of the spectrum, you have uh, people arguing that you need to moderate content for what they consider to be true and uh you know it it censorship to 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 craft a particular message to ensure that people are safe or you know however they however they phrase it but both sides of the political spectrum want to remove section 230 which is protecting how we do business right now so just thought that was important enough to mention here so, I, I don't I don't know how to transition from that to Hogwarts, but we're going to do it anyway, even if it's sloppy. So, Hogwarts uh, Legacy is so big that people are playing, like, 280 million hours collectively a day or something. Uh, it's crazy. Crazy playing this game. So, uh, Warner Brothers is looking at this, and they're like, wow this is seriously popping off we got to continue to capitalize on this and the plan apparently is to is to create is to make uh hogwarts legacy a quote long-term franchise does that mean it's going to be something like fable where we have different iterations of of the story where it's like separated by hundreds of years Uh, Do we have something that's like Fallout, where we go to different places in the world? 
uh, or does it look like Halo Infinite, <laughs> where the idea is to have just constant DLC over the next 10 years? So, like, nobody knows what they mean by long-term franchise, but obviously they're going to keep this thing going for a while. They're making money hand over fist, and it's it's just continuing to move forward. I mean, this this world that was created, this this idea of being able to cast magic and and having a society, a secret society that can control the elements and control nature is enticing. It will always be enticing. So. WB is saying they're moving forward with that. Uh, it remains to be seen what's happening here, but they are very pleased, obviously, with what's happening. And uh, I finally found it. It was 23 million hours a day collectively are being played <laughs> in this game. Uh, I've spent 30 hours myself. It is hard to put down. There are some shortcomings. Again, DLC would make this game like... Oh, chef's kiss would make it perfect but as it is it's still worth dumping hours and hours and hours and hours of your life into this thing enough so much so that HBO is apparently trying to turn it into a TV show I don't think that that is going to go over well personally again because the canon the canon is such that what Hogwarts Legacy does is it doesn't make any damn sense. It doesn't make any damn sense in in the in the wider universe and it based on the seven books of Harry Potter. It just makes no damn sense. <laughs> um but it's fine. It, the, the point is it's a game and it's not in my opinion it's not meant to be taken as canon. It is a fantasy adventure, right? With the backdrop of Hogwarts, right? But it doesn't fit into the canon of the thing. It just can't. You have to go way out of your way to make it fit. Um, but if you make it a TV show, then you're then you're starting to try to say that it is canon, and that, ca that causes all kinds of mess, in my opinion. It just, why would you do that? Why would you do that? Because then you have to go back and retcon uh, certain aspects or, like, come up with an explanation as to why things are the way they are in the Harry Potter universe. So doing that just seems like a waste of time. Uh, if you're going to do... I, I really don't... I, I don't think that you should do <laughs> uh, visual media around... Hogwarts Legacy or Harry Potter if it's going to deviate or go backward in time. You can do it in the future like if you were to do it in a timeline after Harry has been at school then yeah you can do whatever you want but it just doesn't make sense uh, unless they throw in some storytelling devices where I guess it would have to be. I guess I guess it would have to be Voldemort, right? The rise of Voldemort, or some other reason as to why uh, 
Harry Potter is so much more homogenous than what we see in the game. It, it, it just, it doesn't make sense. And I'm not saying that to defend uh, any of the positions of J.K. Rowling. I'm saying that as a, as a defense of the art, I guess, um, or the original work. I think that you can make something that's derivative of it and and make something that's potentially better, but the original artwork, uh, in my opinion, still needs to be appreciated. So that's where that is. We'll see if that actually does happen. <laughs> I don't really, I'm not real excited about that. Not everything needs to be a TV show. And this is one of those things where I would, would really just prefer it be a game because I don't want to wade into, I, I can't interact with a TV show. I can interact with uh, a game and I can create my own headcanon. I can create my own story. But when I'm being fed something that's been deliberately written by dozens of people and a lot of thought has gone into what's happening, then we then the the controversy gets cranked up to twelve because we have to talk about concrete opinions instead of headcanon like we have with Hogwarts Legacy. It's going to get messy if they actually end up doing it. I really don't want to see it, but. I'm sure they see dollar signs just like WB does, uh, so they'll probably make the mistake of turning it into a TV show, and we'll probably end up talking about it because we're going to have to. We're going to have to wade into that. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, I appreciate you listening. You have a good rest of your day. I will catch you tomorrow, and uh, next week we'll be able to get together with the guys and do another do another three person session. So, I. I will catch you then. Peace.